You're listening to Called to Action, a School Sisters of Notre Dame Central Pacific podcast. On season four, we touch on a subject that's very important and crucial to the mission of School Sisters of Notre Dame. We welcome you to join us on this journey as we educate ourselves and work towards a better world. Welcome back to a new season of Called to Action, season four, episode one. Sister Anna Maria, how has your summer? How have you been? Good to be back with you, Adam, for this new season. Since we ended our season three, I have been very busy in the time of sabbatical. I have been doing a lot of traveling. I did a road trip with my parents out west. I walked the Camino de Santiago and also did a visit to Guatemala. So here we are now in a new season. Um, kind of excited about this this new season. It's it's touching on such a hard topic to approach, but uh, I think kind of appropriate for coming out of season three, talking about immigration reform. And you know, Adam, I've been thinking a lot about this before we began, and uh, just kind of reflecting on that this is. Not necessarily an easy topic. Um, actually, not necessarily. It is not an easy topic. And yet it is so important um, to be able to talk about race and racism and our roles within that. And especially as you and I, and I'm very conscientious of the fact that we are two white um, people. You can't see us, those of you who are, who are listening on the podcast, but that is our reality. So to to be able to listen to our guests and have conversations with our guests on this topic coming from our perspective and our our background will will be very challenging. That'll be challenging me a lot. I mean, I, I think it'll challenge me too. I uh, I'm looking forward to getting uh, more educated on the topic because, like anything, you want to change or you want to be more active, and you you have to try to educate yourself. Let's um, invite our guest, Sister Barbara Farr a school sister of Notre Dame who is passionate about social justice and advocacy. She has been involved in many broad-based direct action community organizations. So uh, we are thrilled to have you with us, Barb. Welcome. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Appreciate being with you all. Awesome. Um, I really like how uh, we're kind of taking the first step in this topic with without saying it, admitting where we're coming from as we approach this topic. You know, it's a big one to talk about, even to try to define it. Let's just begin with that. I think that's really important, Adam, is just, to, you know, we said we're going to talk about dismantling racism. So if we're dismantling something, we have to understand a little bit about what is racism. Well, basically, racism is a sin. It's a very serious sin. Here's one of the definitions I found in the dictionary. It's the belief that different races possess distinct characteristics, abilities, or qualities, especially so as to distinguish them as inferior or superior to one another. Uh, but more, uh, I think racism is a process um, that affects systems uh, that were created intentionally to, to keep people down, basically. I think it's it's hard for us to take in because we've grown up in, in a white bubble that keeps us from seeing our privilege as a white person and allows us to keep benefiting from and actually enabling racism. So we have to make sure that our eyes get opened and, and allow ourselves to stand in a different place so we can really see what racism is. You know, I, I know that um, when we talk about racism and it's it's complex and it's systemic, 
And I think that that's kind of what what you're bringing out about that. One of the things that I had learned in, in, in reading, you know, is we often talk about race and the difference between race or, or racialized identity and how, you know, that we all belong to one race. You know, we all belong to the human race and yet how we've racialized identities that move us into that racism. Yeah, race was created as a way to keep white people in power. We were born into um, our race and we were born into a racialized society and it was reinforced by people we loved and trusted. You know, our parents, our teachers, our ministers. I know for me, when I started dealing with my own racism, I realized that it began, I was in grade school and we did the rice bowls for the poor Africans. And that was a good thing, right? Raising money for people in Africa. But in my tiny mind, and then it was reinforced every year, I was somebody who had means and they were black and not like me. They had less than, they were less than because I had and they didn't and I could give. And and that um, was reinforced, you know, in my life over and over. And I have to really, I still have to really intentionally not think that way. But as Martin Luther King once said, once we begin to see, we have the obligation to work for change. You tell that story and it reminds me, and it's one that I think of often, is when I was a small child, we had the opportunity. Now, I, I came from a relatively poor household. But at the same time, my parents always felt that we should share where we could. And so a couple of summers, we had young girls come and stay with us just to have an experience of living out in the country. And they were young black girls from the inner city of Des Moines, Iowa. I was living in rural Iowa. And it reinforced the whole idea of that you were just mentioning that they come from even greater poverty. And I had the advantage of living in a rural area that I was going to share with them and help them be better people. There were two things I was always grateful for because coming from a rural area, there weren't people of color around. So that gave my first exposure. So I was grateful for that. But the other side was that here we were the the good Christian family who was sharing with the poor. And it was only later began to ask the question, so why were they poor? Was that my perception that they were even poor, that they were probably just as rich in family and culture as I was, but I was given a different perspective? I've had to approach the topic of white privilege with my own family and approach it as something that needs to be addressed from a standpoint of respect and manners and not because you're a bad person. You know, it really can generate a lot of fear. People can feel threatened. And and I think more than anything, they feel discomfort or defensive because we're having conversations where, as you began, Barb, to say, we need to address this issue from our perspective. And so I have to own the fact that I might be racist or the fact I do have racial biases um, that were taught sometimes outrightly, we heard it, it was repeated, or it was innocently done. This opportunity of our family sharing with young Black girls, but innocently, it was also conveying a different reality. To look at our own personal racism, the opportunities we've had because we are white, and then to look at the systemic racism and how that permeates society. This is a hard journey, and it's a journey you don't want to take by yourself. You have to have a lot of courage 
And you really want to have other people that you can reflect with and who can, you know, help us on the journey, help each other and keep each other accountable because it's hard work and it's very necessary. So one of the things that we did as school sisters, as educators, is we have a lot of committees. And one of our committees is a racial justice committee. And you are on that committee. Can you speak to that and how that is helping us as school sisters? Yes. Well, as you said, you know, our sisters have been involved in civil rights work. Well, actually, from the very beginning, but we had never had a racial justice committee. Um, Some years ago, when unarmed black men in a very short time were killed uh, by police in St. Louis and then uh, the Twin Cities and then Dallas and then here in Milwaukee, Mr. Hamilton, they were all killed, young men, unarmed black men killed by the police. And when I realized that, I thought, we have centers in all of those four places. Those are the four provinces that came together to make our current province. You know, we have to do something. So we started this racial justice committee and it's province-wide. It involves associates and sisters. And we've intentionally invited our charism carriers that, you know, our province staff members and um, our ministry uh, partners and our sponsored institutions, our former students, et cetera, you know, we intentionally invite all those folks to our programs. And all of it is really held together and driven by Tim DeWayne, our director of the Shalom uh, Justice, Peace and Integrity of, of Creation Department. Uh, over the years, we've done a lot of educational things. We've been inviting sisters in all of our charism carriers to specific actions and activities. Right now, we're, we're beginning to focus on uh, white Christian nationalism. So we've done a little bit of education on that, and we're moving forward on that. It's a great committee. We really invite anybody to join us. As an employee and and somebody that hasn't worked for an organization like this, I've really enjoyed being included on seminars and it's helped me outside of work better talk about the topic and approach it. It's really nice to have a committee that's also talking with lay people and keeping them informed and keeping them inspired. Yeah, it's really um, living out our charism as as school sisters in Notre Dame and all those who walk with us and living out that charism, which is actually the mission of Jesus Christ, to bring about the oneness um, that Jesus Christ desires and for us and for our world. To live that charism um, really is living out who Mother Teresa is and all the ways that she wanted that uh, desired that oneness. And then how are we called to do that today in in today's world? I do believe these incidents, which unfortunately have happened over and over again of these young black men being killed, but it's been a wake up time uh, in, a, in a new, a new way. Um, we weren't part of the civil rights that I'm that young, but to know that in this generation, who are we called to be as um, Christians, but as school sisters of Notre Dame and those who walk with us in that mission. The work of the committee, which really calls us forth to be able to do that work. Sister Barbara, uh, when we talk about the committee, what are some pathways uh, for engagement and accountability that you can share with us that other people can follow? Well, we actually have um, what we call three pathways. The first one is self-reflection and interpersonal engagements. And that's the work that we do on ourselves and with ourselves and, and for ourselves. And the focus is on better understanding our individual and collective story as it relates to race, bias, and privilege. Then the second path is about our province structures. 
to address systemic racism in our province structures. And it's a commitment to cultural change that we're really committed to look, I mean, not just look at the things that we find, but to make the necessary changes in the process. Third pathway is uh, about systemic racism. So we look at and respond to policies and practices that perpetuate racial bias in terms of elections. In certain areas of the province, there have been important elections. You know, we've encouraged our sisters to do education around those elections. Um, we've been involved uh, legislatively in um, state and local reform legisla- legislations and countering legislation that that isn't good, you know, like in areas where, where there's a lot of gerrymandering. Our sisters have been involved in trying to change that. So we do have this third uh, pathway of engaging in the in the broader world. And as I mentioned, right now, we're um, educating ourselves and our publics on the dangers of so-called Christian nationalism, which is very dangerous. As you, you share those three pathways, and I, as a school sister of Notre Dame, have, you know, heard them and listened to them and really stopped to think, what have I done? Um, And as we were preparing for this podcast, I participated in the Summer of Solidarity webinars and conversations and discussions. But I think because of the work of the committee really helped us engage even more. And for that, I appreciate. um, So even taking the time to do my own education, ongoing education. So, for example, you know, taking the time to read the book, um, White Fragility, by Robin D'Angelo. And then even as uh, this was before Adam came on to the team of for communications internally, we read uh, Me White and White Supremacy. Our employees who work in our communication departments, we did it as a book study. And it was hard, you know, because there are hard questions to look at my, our own white supremacy, our own um, white privilege or white fragility, and to risk talking about it among us. So in those ways, that moved me to that second path of communally, internally, as school sisters and our staff, what are we doing? As well as uh, having the opportunity to work with Team Dynamics, which was our consultant who worked with our staff. That third one is 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 equally hard. You know, how do we keep looking at systemic change, which kind of brings me back to that title of dismantling racism, that I have to do it personally. We need to do it as a community, School Sisters of Notre Dame. And I, I'll put with that even we as a Catholic church and the racism that's within the Catholic church, and then to look at it societally, you know, how can we look at this culture that we are a part of and the ways that we are promoting racism. I think the key thing is, um, as you said, that we do it in community because, uh, first of all, dealing with our own racism is really hard by ourselves. We really need a community that we, you know, are other people that, that we trust and that we can, that can help us be accountable. But also in terms of systemic change, we can't do that by ourselves either. So it's really important to, um, be aware of the movements in, in our own communities, and there's lots of them, and to participate with people that have a real strategy and not just tactics. You know, <laughs> tactics are like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll boycott this store. But if nobody else is boycotting this store, it's not a very good strategy. So we need to be, um, you know, we, we need to collaborate, which is a really important value in our congregation. We need to collaborate with um, other folks that have the strategy and that can give us the tools and and uh, that we can work together. 
as we were talking about these pathways for engagement and accountability, to me, it's almost like, you know, the perfect strategy to approach this subject, you know, approach it internally, approach it within your community, i.e. your workplace, your family. And then once you get a basis for that, work outward and then try to tackle this subject in bigger societal ways. Uh, because I think a lot of people don't know where to start, especially as we were talking about white you know, Americans. It's, it's a topic that has been buried for many years, but on the surface, I think back maybe 11, 12, when the Rodney King beating happened and the riots. And it, I mean, it was a lot to see. It was a lot to process as a kid. My parents didn't want to approach the subject with me. So it was like a confusing thing for many years. I knew it happened and I knew it was horrible, but had no idea how it got to that. And then flash forward to the to what we were talking about, the situations that have happened uh, in our own cities with black and, and cop violence. And it just made me realize like those big things have hit us so hard, but they're not the only times that has happened. This is something that has unfortunately been something that that group has had to deal with in America, they're, you know, in the United States, their their whole existence. You know, we're all racist, as we've said, and we've been swimming in it. And I think we really need to pray for the courage to stay with it. Some years ago, I started reading uh, Howard Zinn's The People's History of the United States. It's one of the books that Christian nationalists want removed from libraries because it tells the truth of our history. And it was so brutal and so disturbing to me that I stopped reading it. Um, Actually, I haven't picked it up again. I really need to pray for the courage to do that. But I think we need to pray for courage and for openness. And then the other thing is is to educate ourselves. We can't expect people of color to teach us. We need to educate ourselves. The systems that perpetuate racial injustice have been intentionally created, as I said, by religious and public officials from the papal, you know, the papal doctrine of discovery in 1493 through the redlining policies of the 1930s to the gerrymandering of our voting districts to keep um, people from voting um, right now, today. You know, these things have been going on forever, and we have to understand them to be able to change them. So I would really suggest that if you want to educate yourself on this, to use the the program that we use during uh, Solidarity Summer. Um, It's on our website, our SSNDCP website. Search for Solidarity Summer, and you get you get the whole thing. There were six sessions. Um, there's a video presentation. It's progressive. It starts like with the very basic stuff and leads you to um, understand what racism is and where we are in it. Not only do you learn what has happened through the years to to get us to where we are today, but it also provides a test, you know, that you can take to see where you stand on that. There's all kinds of various. Um, activities in there for personal integration. And then each session has related books, articles, and stuff. It's a really good resource. Once your eyes are open, then everything else comes. You're going to run into people who think like you. You're going to run into the organizations that are doing the work, and then you can start doing the work. What are some things that you tell the general public to look out for when you're looking at a resource or you're searching information that could be a misleading source? Yeah, it's really hard because it's so insidious. One of my colleagues sent me an article from the Mothers for Liberty, which it turns out is one of the big organizations that are highly funded, highly organized, and highly effective in pushing white Christian nationalism, which means they're trying to get a country for 
that's based on Christian values, which of course um, negates Muslim, Jewish, you know, all the other folks in our country. They're trying to push a country for just white people, which also disenfranchises everybody of color. So, so anyway, the article was about these folks, and I started reading it. It was talking about family values and um, teaching our children and all this stuff, and I thought this is really good. I'm going to send them some money until I kept reading to see, wait, you know, they're pushing this white only agenda. So it's very insidious. You have to sort of be aware. Yeah. Just again, the importance of reading and educating ourselves, choosing well. And thank you for pointing out the resources that you can find on our website um, for the School Sisters of Notre Dame of the Central Pacific Province. As folks, you begin to know organizations, they can also help you find good resources um, to learn to be critical thinkers. Critical readers is really, really important. And then after that, to um, when I think of our actions, taking actions, to take time to reflect on once I become aware of how do I participate. And then comes the risk of, of challenging racism. And again, it just may be interrupting racial stereotypes. And we say this to our listeners, we may be saying things that we hope doesn't offend someone, but might offend someone or make mistakes. But how do we move into this unafraid and not get in the way of what needs to be shared? Yes. And, you know, and just know that you're going to step in it. I do all the time. It's so deeply embedded in us that... um you know, I come home from work or at, you know, at a point in the day and I think, oh, man, I did it again. And um, so be gentle with yourself, but know that you're going to keep stepping in it and just keep trying to be open. Well, with that, Barb, I, I am grateful for your joining us today and beginning to break open this this important topic, this challenging topic. And knowing that, you know, we hope in our series that we will be able to confront systemic racism the racism within ourselves to challenge our own white privilege for those of us who are white and to really in engage in, in deep conversations about the reality in our world and how racism is dividing people. It's actually killing people. And uh, our underlying belief is that we are all called to that oneness. That is our call and our mission. Thank you for the opportunity. I enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate the opportunity. Racism and white privilege are the basis of all our social problems. They manifest in the climate crisis, in poverty, in war. We're not going to solve it, but we must find ways in our own personal lives to address it, and we can only address it in community. So I'm glad that this um, series is happening. Thank you for, very much to both of you for making this happen. And thank you again for being on and, and setting up such a uh, wonderful introduction to this topic. And I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us again. And we'll be back on Wednesday, January 31st with episode two. Thank you for listening to Call to Action. We invite you to join us every other Wednesday for a new episode. You can listen to Call to Action on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and by visiting ssndcp.org forward slash call to action. To stay up to date with what's new with the School Sisters, please follow the School Sisters of Notre Dame Central Pacific Province on Facebook. We thank you for your support and listening to Call to Action.